All right. Welcome to episode number 17 of the Dan Time Podcast. I'm your host, Dan McArdle. And just as I expressed way back in episode two, five, seven, last week, I hope, you guys might get tired of hearing it, but I am so happy to have you as a listener. That's right, you. Your boss maybe doesn't appreciate you. Your teenager is mad at you. You're in the doghouse. You can't catch a break. But on Dan time, my friend, you're appreciated. So thanks for listening. Okay, if you had fun with last week's episode featuring New Orleans musical theater actor and performer Danny Rubio, you are going to love my guest this week, Chicago-based EMC actress, singer, and creative Danny Pike. That's right, D-A-N-I. Folks, I had the best time connecting with Danny for this episode. Her talents know no bounds. I went into our conversation thinking, okay, when we wrap up, I've got to be saying to myself, oh, you should have asked this. You should have asked that. That's exactly what happened because there's just so much to get to with Danny. She was born and raised in Houston, Texas. In 2014, Danny won the Broadway World Houston Award for Best Supporting Actress for her portrayal of Natalie in Next to Normal at the Music Box Theater. Danny graduated summa cum laude from Oklahoma City University in 2019 with her BFA in acting and a minor in directing. Danny's stage credits include Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors, The Veteran in Gut, Anna in Monster Girl, Taryn in Death is So Much Worse, Natalie, of course, in Next to Normal, Danny's recent portrayal of Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors at the Citadel Theater garnered multiple positive reviews from Chicago theater critics. Chicago On Stage wrote, Pike brought a refreshing twist to Audrey's personality. Her rendition of Somewhere That's Green was so much more than a daydream ballad. There was heartache in her voice, in her expression, and in her thoughtfully placed phrasing of the lyrics. And Your Chicago Guide wrote, The original Audrey is played by Danny Pike. Wow, what a powerhouse. She plays the kind Audrey with vulnerability and sweetness. And when she sings Somewhere That's Green, you can feel the yearning. Her voice fills the theater and you're left listening in awe. As a performer, Danny's special skills include various dialects, stage combat experience, which we talk about in this episode, impressions, which include Lord Gwen Stefani, Kristen Stewart, Adele, Amy Lee. As a teaching artist, she offers voice lessons, private acting lessons. She's a character actress for parties and special events. Danny is also a bone cancer survivor and works to raise awareness and provide support for those who have been diagnosed with chordoma, an extremely rare form of cancer. We talk about her diagnosis as a young adult, how she handled it, and how it led her to be an advocate for others. Be sure to visit dannypike.com, that's D-A-N-I-P-I-K-E.com, to read all about Danny's story, her productions, to watch videos of past performances, and to stay up to date, and even purchase tickets if you'll be in Chicago for her upcoming shows. Please, if you're in Chicago, or if you're going to be in the Chicagoland area this December, between the... 20th and the 31st, Danny is portraying Fiona in Shrek the Musical at Center Theater at North Shore Center for the Performing Arts in Skokie, Illinois, which is northwest of Chicago. 
There are 11 different performances across those dates. Go to dannypike.com right there as you land on her page to purchase tickets. One thing I want to be very clear about, beyond her many accolades and credits, Danny is just a wonderful person. Her heart is in the right place. She loves to perform. She loves to delight audiences. And she loves to help other people. You can head over to the YouTube channel for the Dan Time Podcast to see the video component of this episode. All right, enough of me talking. Let's get to the conversation right now. It is Danny Pike time. Danny, it is just wonderful to be talking to you today. I love your story. Um, I just can't wait to dive in. Thanks for making time to be here on the Dan Time Podcast. And it's actually officially the Danny Time Podcast for the first time. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I have to represent all of the female Dannys out there. Yes. Well, you're getting you're getting it all started. Danny, you are multifaceted as far as your interests, your projects, um, your background. I know you're in Chicago now, but you grew up in the South in Houston. Is that correct? Yes. Born and raised in Houston, Texas. Proudly. I love it there. What what led you to Chicago? And the, one of the reasons I ask is I was born there, and when I got we moved when I was about five, and we'd go back and visit every couple of years, like when I was seven, and I just I loved it. And then by the time I was ten and twelve, I was thinking, why didn't we spend more time there? I felt like I loved the city, and then I did go back in my teenage years, my twenties, and I still love Chicago. But what's your story on that yeah. end? Well, I was born and raised in the same block of Northeastern Houston my whole life up until I went to college. And I went to Oklahoma City University um, where I pursued a BFA in acting and a minor in directing and took music classes and did all the theater fun arts education things. Um, And when I graduated, I had some health complications going on, but I knew that eventually I would want to move to a city where I could more fully pursue my passion, which is theater. Houston has a wonderful theater scene, but I definitely felt that sort of urge that like I'm young and I just got out of college and I want to try something totally different. And if I don't like it, fine, but I want to try. And my partner, Lucas, and I were just, we got the opportunity to visit Chicago and we just loved it. And we thought, you know what, maybe we'll move halfway across the country by ourselves and just try it out. And now we've been here almost four years, which is crazy, but we just love it. I mean, it's, it's unlike any other city I've ever visited. It's so unique. And the theater scene here in every neighborhood, you can find five different storefront theaters. And then you also have these big, massive theaters and these national tours that come through and these artists that get flown in from New York, but you also have really amazing small storefront theater just being made by this community of artists here. I've, I've never seen anything like it and I'm fully addicted to it and love it and think we'll be here for, for a good hot minute. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like there's, like you said, you've been there four years, but there's a lot of room to explore in Chicago. I know when I go to visit, it's always for such a short time, you know, if it's a long weekend or a week, It's never really enough time to take in everything. No, and we moved here right before COVID, like weeks 
So we still feel, even though it's been a few years, we still feel pretty new because there's still so much to see and do that we haven't even touched yet. So it's exciting. Danny, uh, before I get too deep in the episode, I do want to promote this month you are performing as Fiona in Shrek the Musical. How long have you been working on this? Um, tell me a little bit about that and just the excitement of this role. Absolutely. Um, Shrek the Musical at Music Theater Works in Skokie, which is on the northwest side of Chicago. Um, it's a limited engagement, so it's only the 21st through the 31st. It's their like holiday show, um, but it's very, very exciting. Fiona, I played Princess Fiona once before in high school. <laughs> my, my high school did Shrek the Musical, so it's been a really incredible full circle moment for me as an artist. But um, we just started rehearsals a few weeks ago and me and the delightful young ladies who play teenage Fiona and young Fiona just did the Chicago Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, we got to perform at 7 a.m. <laughs> in 30 degrees uh, for that. But it was really, really cool. The whole team full of talented people, but also full of really kind and compassionate and caring people. So that's been really wonderful to just, I look forward every night to going to rehearsal and seeing those folks and, and just creating magic with them. Some of the most talented vocalists too that I've ever worked with in my life. So it's just been a, a major blessing in every way. And I'm, I'm so excited to get moving. We're starting to incorporate like makeup and costumes and wigs and it's, it's all starting to become real and I just feel so lucky to be a part of it. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask about, I guess this is on your resume, you've got stage combat experience. thought that was pretty cool. And that's just me maybe not being familiar. That may be a pretty common. Well, it's, I mean, it's, theater is so full of so many niches that people can sort of find themselves being attracted to. Um, I was really lucky. I loved my time at Oklahoma City University and my time in the acting program. And I had a really awesome movement teacher there um, named Luke Getty. And um, they did a really great job of introducing me to sort of more advanced stage combat skills. Um, and then I've been lucky to work on a number of shows here in Chicago that have sort of fed that interest of mine. Um, yeah, the art of creating combat or violence or whatever it is on stage that looks real and engaging for the audience, but is also safe and repeatable for the actor. It's, it's magic. Um, it's a skill and it's a craft that you can learn and build upon. And it's something that I, I enjoy every chance I have the opportunity to do that. Luckily for me, there's not a whole lot of combat for me happening in Shrek, <laughs> but, um, but I do, I, I think that it's, it's an art form. It really is creating that experience for the audience and keeping your actors safe. It, it requires a sort of really keen attention and, and skill set. Danny, you've got a lot of director and assistant director credits. What do, do you take enjoyment on both ends as far as being on stage and being behind the scenes? And do you have to kind of uh, switch roles a lot during one particular season where you're on stage and then you're back to directing? Well, since I've moved to Chicago, I've been really lucky to be primarily pretty busy with on stage 
business, um, acting and singing gigs, but I do have such a passion for directing. And when I was growing up in Houston, I worked with this amazing theater run by Christina Sullivan. Um, she ran a program called the Tribble School, which was like an educational theater program for kids K through 12. Um, and that is sort of how I got into theater. Um, so she's like my mentor in life and just, I'm so inspired by her on a daily basis, but she still runs the Tribble School at this amazing theater in Houston called the Queensbury. And I taught with them. It was really cool to be a student in the Tribble School. And then as I was going through late high school and into college, I was able to become a teacher at the triple school and to teach kids and direct. My favorite was directing the high schoolers. Um, I love getting to work with them. So I do have a really strong passion for directing youth theater. I have had the opportunity to assistant direct a couple of fully staged adult professional productions, which is also really amazing. Um, just as of late, I found myself I don't have, there's not enough time in the day for me to do all of the things that I would love to do. So I found myself on stage much more recently, but love directing. And I find that especially directing young people, um, they have a lot more to teach me than I could ever have to teach them. And I always feel a huge sense of luck to just be able to experience that and to and to also give those kids like I remember how important it was to me to be able to have that place to go where I was accepted and I could do what I liked to do and I just think there's something really really beautiful and special about that so hopefully I'll be able to to carve out more time in the future to get back to some of that but that's definitely a huge part of my foundation as an artist. Yeah that really stood out to me your interest with interest in working with children with special needs like you said high school students where you've got a great opportunity to make an impact maybe at a crossroads for them i mean i remember when i was 17 or 16 and if an adult takes an interest in a talent that that you have it can it can really make like you have a lot of influence or sway over which direction they might go like they might be down on themselves over a performance or some shortcoming that they think they have and there you are to maybe pick them up or give them some guidance. Do you enjoy that part of it? Absolutely. I mean, that's who Christina Sullivan and Luke Robel, who worked with the triple school when I was a high schooler, they made me feel like I could do this and like I was good enough and I deserve the opportunity to do it. And, you know, it, my high school years were tough and they're tough for a lot of kids mentally and emotionally. And I, it was definitely a safe haven for me and being able to create that for kids is so magical. Um, I remember I, I taught um, sixth grade for a little while at a, at a middle school, sixth grade introduction to theater. And those kids, you know, I was teaching 32 10 year olds at a time who had this class for 45 minutes in the middle of their 10 other subjects they have that day. But those kids, like when I was able to feel that they enjoyed coming to class and were excited to be there and to ah, sort of have that safe haven to express themselves, that's a magical feeling that I'll never get over. Um, I actually played Audrey in a production of Little Shop of Horrors last fall. 
um, here on the north side of Chicago. And there were reviews and critics and my friends came and were very supportive and that was all that. But the number one review that stood out to me was there was a 13 year old girl who saw the show and she found me on Instagram after the show and messaged me and said, hey, my name's Audrey and I saw you play Audrey. And I just wanted to say that like, I've always wanted to sing and seeing you sing, I'm gonna join the choir. And I just wanted to let you know that like, you really, you know, inspired me to, to go for it. And that to me was like, well, that's the best review that I could ever get in a million years. So it <laughs> doesn't get any better than that. That no, it doesn't. supersedes any critics, professional reviews that you get that might be glowing, you know, that, but how can you top that? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like what you said also about maybe kids that are about 10 years old and they can't really act out like this in the middle of their school day. But here they are in a forum where they can let their personality shine. I'm seeing it with my six yeah. my six year old. I feel like he's got the bug. We get we enrolled him in theater camp uh, last summer. He so enjoyed it. Um, we're gonna find a way to follow up on that. I, I'd like for it to be more than once a year, but I mean he is always he's always on. Like he's he's just reciting things, putting on a show. But he'll go out in the middle of the yard at eight o'clock at night, and I'm saying, "What are you doing out there?" <laughs> but that's that's wonderful, though. Yeah, I mean, I think theater is so great for for kids, you know, who who are interested in it because it's not only is it like a creative outlet for all that energy they have, but I also think that theater teaches kids about individuality. It's okay to be yourself, exactly as you are. It teaches them confidence. It teaches them to stand up and speak loudly and clearly it teaches them to to say what they want to say and to to stand up for themselves and to embrace themselves it, I think it teaches them a lot of really important social skills and just skills for moving through the world um, besides just you know how to sing and how to dance do you think it also um, allows them to see people for who they are and not necessarily what they look like yeah. I mean, the whole message of Shrek, like when we did it in high school too, it was really cathartic. There's a song called Freak Flag, Let Your Freak Flag Fly. And it was just everybody, it's all the fairy tale creatures celebrating. They sing what makes us special, makes us strong. It's just celebrating their differences. So the whole message of the show is is built around this idea that it's okay to be exactly who you are. And there was something really cathartic about doing that as a high schooler because I have goosebumps right now because, ah, when, and to see a group of kids singing that song is amazing. And even doing it right now with these amazing, you know, professional performers that I'm doing it with now, it's, it still holds so true and so valuable, such an important message, um, which, you know, I think some people think Shrek the musical, but the message is relevant and important and valuable and I mean I get emotional every time we we do the show and it may seem silly because it's a show about a big green ogre but the message is it just still holds so true um, to me personally and it's I think people need to hear that and be reminded of that um, that is one of my favorite things about about theater and youth theater is that message that it does all your insecurities. It's about what makes you different and what makes you special and sharing that with people 
having the bravery to do that is, it's like a sacred thing. <laughs> now, you also want to go through a few roles that you've played previously, uh, Natalie and Next to Normal. And if, if some of these jump out as, as like roles that you really enjoyed or some of your favorites, just let me know. Um, Ann Deaver and All My oh, yeah. Sons. Yeah, I mean, you've just named two two of my faves. Natalie was my first sort of big professional show. Yeah. And I was only, I think I was 15 when I was cast and I turned 16 through the course of the show. But um, that was so, so, so special um, because I was working with these actors who were, you know, 10 years and up older than me. So I just got to be a sponge and, and learn from them and absorb what they had to teach me. Um, and that was another show where like every single night the emotions were just so crazy, goosebumps and tears. And because the the people I was working with were so in it and the music just lends itself to, to that level of wow. I mean, that's like a top, a top three. I don't know if anything can ever touch how, just how special that was. Um, and Ann Deaver and all my sons, that's how I met my partner was we played fiancés in that show and then how, been together ever since. <laughs> how perfect is that? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had to, um, this is an odd question maybe, but have you ever had to interact with somebody on stage who you don't have a great rapport with and you think, look, I don't know why there's some tension here, but there is, but you, you go through the performance and afterwards maybe you get along better. Have you ever had to work with people that you're just not, it, nothing's really clicking that well off stage, but. Absolutely. I mean, just statistically, not everyone that you work with is going to just immediately jive with. And I think it happens a lot in the theater world because artists have different styles and different ways that they work. Some artists really like to goof off and improvise and bring like a wacky energy and that helps them. Some artists are very, I want to do the booking, listen, leave, not to have a lot of personal chit chat, chit chat. That's totally fine. Artists have different ways of working and some ways jive better than others. So definitely had experiences where I'm working with an artist and I maybe don't understand the way that they work, but what I've learned is I don't need to understand. That's what works for them. And inevitably throughout the process, if I can, you have to find a way to work alongside and together with a style that's different than yours, you will, if you both are, are dedicated to making the production as good as it can be, you will find that balance. I don't have to understand why they do everything they do. They probably don't understand why I do everything I do. So I think coming at it with that mindset, I've been lucky to never have an experience where we could never find any way to connect. I think it, you just have to come in with that acceptance that artists work differently and not everybody's going to work in a way that makes sense to you. But I've, I've been really lucky never to have an experience where there was absolutely no reconciling <laughs> our different styles. Kind of like maybe bands. There's, there's probably, there's well-known acts where people know, okay, these two don't really get along, but there's probably a lot of musical groups out there that you wouldn't suspect that the bass player and the lead singer are just they're not hanging out after the show, but they could, they could yeah. put the performance on together. Yeah. I mean, when you have a group of people in a room doing a show, chances are they are all in very different points of their life. And 
everyone has their own business that they need to take care of. And I think it's important and it's kind of the director's job to create a space that is safe and welcoming so that everyone can, I had a director once who said, you know, leave the day before you got to rehearsal outside the door mm-hmm. and come in and have rehearsal, um, which isn't always possible. Sometimes you're at where you're at. You can be having the worst day ever and that's just where you're at. But if the director has done their job and created a safe room and a safe space, there's an understanding for that and there's compassion for that and you do what you can and you trust that everyone else will help carry the torch um, and, and help you through that tough time. Well, Danny, before we go too much further, I know that there's a cause that's very special to you that you want to bring awareness to and something that you've gone through yourself, a rare form of cancer, Cordoma and the Cordoma mm-hmm. Foundation. Um, I'd like to let you speak to that a little bit here. Absolutely. Um, I, I feel the need to spell it first because it doesn't look how it sounds. C-H-O-R-D-O-M-A. And if you go to Cordoma, how I just spelled it, .org, you can learn all about it. It's an extremely rare um, bone cancer. It's called the one in a million cancer because it's diagnosed in one in a million people every year. Um, And you can have it, it occurs along the spine. So you can have it at the top of your spine, at the bottom of your spine. I had it at the bottom of my spine. I did not know I had it at the bottom of my spine until after some experiencing some discomfort and some pain really from the time I was 13. Um, growing up, they thought maybe I had a pilonidal cyst on my tailbone, which is pretty common in adolescence. They said it'll probably just go away on its own. Well, little did I know when I was 20 in college, um, I was really struggling and I was very uncomfortable and I was like, oh, this is kind of embarrassing and I just want to be done with this. And uh, we decided to, to have this cyst removed. And then a couple of weeks after I had the cyst removed and I thought, great, we're done. I got a phone call from MD Anderson saying, so that wasn't a cyst, that was a, a cordoma, which of course I had never heard of in my life, but I immediately got on the internet and figured out what was going on. But I was treated at um, MD Anderson Houston by Dr. Rines. Really cool that, you know, that's a 45 minute drive from where my parents lived. So had it, this was all happened also my last semester of college, <laughs> my final semester of my senior year I was diagnosed right at the beginning of the semester. Um, that was another example though, of the magic of theater. I was doing a show when I was diagnosed and my director let me just sit down with the cast and say, hey, this is what's going on. I think I'm gonna be okay. I just wanted to let everyone know. And everyone was so supportive and so amazing. And my teachers were totally understanding when I had to fly home for MRIs and scans and blood work. And Dr. Rines made a plan for me and said, you're gonna graduate. And so the day after I graduated, I drove from Oklahoma City to Houston. And about a week later, I was having surgery and I had, pretty massive surgery to try and just get everything out that they thought could maybe have been contaminated by this tumor. And I woke up a couple days after surgery and learned how to walk again. And my parents were there the whole time. Um, My mom never left my side. My partner was there for me through the whole thing. I had friends and family come and visit and just felt so supported and so lucky. And Dr. Rines was phenomenal, the whole team at MD Anderson. 
Um, and they said I'd be in the hospital for six weeks after surgery. And I went home after two because <laughs> the second they said, maybe you're ready for PT and OT. I said, yes, let's do it. I want to go home and see my dogs and got out of the hospital, kept working on PT. And six months after that, less than six months after that, I moved halfway across the country to Chicago. <laughs> so wow. I just made my four year tumor free. So everything's still looking great. And now the coolest part is I work for the Cordoma Foundation. So I get to help other patients who are newly diagnosed or dealing with a recurrence or working on survivorship. And it's, I mean, I, I still feel so lucky that it's hard for me to find the words. It's just so cool that I get to help other people who have this rare, crazy thing come into their lives. I, I always say it's like, it's the coolest club that um, no one wants to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And like you said, when you're 13, 14 years old, and you've got this pain, and I mean, a one in a million type of diagnosis there, your primary care doctor is not going to, not going to discover it. Somebody locally is probably not going to discover it, not going to suspect it. That's kind of a scary situation to be in. You just don't know what's going on, but all you know is it's not going away. And luckily, I guess that with them being on to it, maybe being assist, at least got you into surgery. Yeah. I mean, it's a great lesson for me and in, in advocating for yourself. Um, anyone who's dealt with any kind of chronic illness or rare disease or any kind of health issue, you if you know that something's wrong, you have to to voice that and to continue to say, you know, something's really not right. I really don't feel right about this and to, to pursue it. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you, you, you never know. Um, and with these rare diseases like Cordoma, a lot of physicians don't even know about it. That's something we're working on at the foundation is educating more and more physicians to be able to at least refer you to a specialist uh, who knows what this is, because I hear from patients all the time that, after they're diagnosed with Cordoma and they go back to their primary care for a checkup or whatever, they'll say, I've never even heard of that. Um, you know, their doctor will just say that. And that's, it's a crazy feeling, but it, it happens. It happens to people. And they had maybe never of, even their doctor, maybe never learned of that in yeah. medical school. Right. Cause it's so few and far between that you would ever see it. But that's part of what our goal is, is to continue to educate more and more medical facilities and physicians about the existence of Cordoma, because it's really crucial that you're treated by a specialist. Um, and lucky for me, Dr. Rines is <laughs> the guy. That's what my family always calls him. Like, he's the guy. Um, he immediately comforted us with, I know what this is. I can help you. You're going to be great. We got this. And every time I visit him, I... I just feel like I'm talking to a friend, just an incredible physician, but. Wow. That's so great that you're able to now help other people in your, in your situation to maybe ask the right questions, to push back when they need to. Uh, one other thing I also wanted to talk about that stood out to me when I was, I first visited your website was the anti-bullying defense league. Well, it's, it's great timing that you brought that up. Um, Lots of cool stuff on my website, dannypike.com. Um, Anti-bullying is a really cool web series that I got to work on oh, almost two years ago now, which is so crazy. Um, film and TV, I love. It's so different from theater. Um, just the timelines of things like Shrek, we've been rehearsing for a couple weeks and then we'll do a show for a couple weeks. 
anti-bullying we filmed two years ago and it's just now starting to hit the festival circuit which is really really cool it's actually just now hitting the international festival circuit um so hopefully very shortly there will be a way for more people to to watch it online but that was a really cool an audition that i found online and luckily they liked me and i got to be a part of this really awesome project with this really awesome team another example of these artists in chicago making it happen creating this art without coming from a massive movie studio with millions of dollars to spend on something but still creating art that is amazing and wonderful and important and yeah the whole series each episode centers around a different bully of the main characters and i actually played the bully in one of the episodes so that was also different for me I absolutely loved it. I loved the entire team who worked on that. And I'm so excited that it's hitting the festival circuit now because I think it's amazing and I'm super proud of it. And yeah, I hope that I can share more and maybe have the, the full episode available for, for people to watch on my website soon. Danny, on, on that note, is it exciting sometimes when you get cast in an antagonist role or as a villain and... I mean, most people, when you're watching a movie, if you're of a certain age, you know that the, the person in that role is probably a nice guy, a nice nice woman, but uh, do you sometimes do you enjoy those roles versus the the heroine? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I feel like in the past couple of plays I've done here in Chicago, I haven't been um, the antagonist, but I feel like previous to that, I, in college especially, I, I got to dabble to dip my foot in that, in that pool a little bit, and I do love it. I think that it's part of what's magical about theater is obviously, you know, I try in my daily life to be a good person who does good things and helps people. There is something really fun about playing a character who is not that way. What I love though, is that some of the best advice I've ever gotten about playing the villain is the villain never thinks they're the villain. They think they're doing the right thing. That's they right. may be selfish. They may, you know, have tunnel vision or whatever their issues are, or deep insecurity or jealousy or whatever. But the villain, their perspective, they're the hero of their own story. Everyone's the hero of their own story. So anti-bullying was a really fun experiment with that because the whole show is about this bully, but my character would not have perceived themselves as a bully. And they had quite a bit of a, a troubling personal inner struggle happening, just like everyone else does. So I think there's something really magical about making those characters relatable because as an audience member, you then get to sit there and question, well, I know that's the bad guy, kind of feel bad for them or, oh, it kind of stinks that that happened to them. Those sort of moral quandaries are part of what I love about theater, making an audience member really think about it and, and yeah, feel sympathy or empathy um, for, for those types of characters. I was going to say that with uh, playing a villain, maybe you have fewer boundaries or you can go past the boundaries or let your own personal flair kind of uh, color that character. I was going to mention one of the reviews you got for Audrey, and this is from TravoltaNet, where they said that Pike's Audrey is not an airhead as is typically done. She is a smart and sassy woman who has come to terms with the idea of being trapped forever on Skid Row. However, that doesn't stop her from dreaming of a life in the suburbs. That stuck out at me that 
they recognize that you made that character your own and didn't just follow the script, I guess, of previous interpretations. Sure. I mean, Little Shop of Horrors is so iconic that a lot of productions, there's there's an urge and a tendency to sort of reproduce the the magic of of the iconic original because it's amazing. Um, and that's just compliments to the original. But what was really amazing about that production and the director, Matt Seiler, is just a, a masterful director and now a dear friend and so grateful um, that I got to work with them. They, the, from the first day of rehearsal, um, you know, I guess they saw something in my audition that they felt was different, but authentic and sort of inspired this idea. And we really got to talking about it. One of my favorite sort of ways to summarize that was the the idea that Audrey isn't stupid, she's kind. Coming at it from that angle that, you know, it meant a lot to me too, just as a, a woman and as a, as a feminist doing this sort of iconic role, um, a woman who's really only appreciated for her looks and not, you know, the depth and intelligence of who she is, um, getting to bring a sort of different sense of authenticity to that was just one of the greatest joys of my life. I, I said Natalie was in my top three. Um, Audrey is 100% also in my top three for that reason, because it it became sort of a a story about defying, yeah, the expectations um, and and being a real person. And that can be hard sometimes in these big theatrical stories that don't always stick to super realistic things that would happen every day being able to still be a real person in that and bring humanity to that in a different way. It's so creatively satisfying and, and encouraging. And it just like feeds my fire. If that's, I guess that's one way to put it. Absolutely. Danny, do you have some things that you like to do? I asked the previous guest um, last week before a show, or do you, have to have a certain breakfast or have your coffee and if something's not quite right it's not gonna go the way you want it to uh, do you have some of those routines or any rituals that that you do I usually create a playlist for the character that I'm playing to sort of have on before the show kind of to get me into a mindset I find music really speaks to me that way but my biggest thing that's been since I was a kid I guess my my grandmother used to always make me tea, just black tea with a little bit of cream. Um, and I I have to have it before a show. I always show up, even to most rehearsals, with tea. I'm a big coffee drinker and I drink coffee in the morning, but that's probably my biggest ritual is that making that tea, it kind of reminds me of my mom and my grandmother. And I sort of feel that inspiration um from them and then my music between those things i i feel like most of the time it's just about showing up ready to to let whatever happens happen and what's it like when a performance is over um when you do a multi-night performance do you go through a stretch where you're kind of depressed that oh i don't get to do that anymore or are you kind of relieved or like oh that was great who and you exhale or how do you feel like that next day or just that that night after the last one it definitely depends on the on the process but a lot of theater artists will refer to it as post show blues or post show depression um it's very real 
I'm, I probably am feeling already very attached to this team with Shrek. And since it's a limited engagement, I think I will definitely be, you know, sad. Oh, I wish I could do that forever. I felt that way with Next to Normal, certainly, and Little Shop. I could do this for years. I could do this forever. I love these people. But there's also something really special about being able to look back on those stretches of time and, and treasure them for what they were and when they were. Right. Um, and just focusing on the gratitude aspect of it helps me avoid the the sadness of it's inevitable, you know, that you feel sad and you miss it. And but it's how wonderful to have had an experience so amazing that you feel that way. So the gratitude helps me combat that, but it definitely, I get the post-show blues, definitely. Yeah. But like you said, you can appreciate all the little moments of that production because you probably know with each one, hey, this is, this is, we're in a limited period of time here and I'm just going to soak it up. Yes. And I'm grateful for every project I've worked on. There of course are certain projects that really do feel you have a moment of recognition of, oh, this is really special. This is, I'm going to remember this for a long time. And it's experiences like Next to Normal and All My Sons and Little Shop, where I, I definitely had those feelings of, oh, this is, this is one of those, this has changed me as a person. Oh, I've, yeah. I've really experienced this growth and I'll always get to look back on that with gratitude. Danny, what are some things that you like to do in Chicago when you've got maybe a whole day or a couple days and I mean, you probably had a chance to go see and do a lot, but do you have some favorite spots or places to visit around town or just hangouts? I love to support storefront theater because it's part of what makes Chicago so magical. My favorite theater here is actually um, a red orchid, which is Michael Shannon's theater. He's an actor. Um, one of those actors where I feel like, if I show you a picture of him, people are like, oh yeah, that guy, he's been in stuff. Um, his theater here does amazing work and my partner and I love to go to shows and obviously support theater around the city. I'm also a huge book nerd. So I love all of Chicago's little local small businesses and their bookstores. Um, I could spend hours doing that. Um, and the food in Chicago obviously is amazing. So my partner and I love to you know, support our, our local restaurants as well. I just think it's amazing that Chicago, there are lots of great chains here and great big shopping experiences, but the small businesses and the local restaurants and the mom and pop shops and the family owned bookstores and all of those places I find are magical. And there's, like I said, there's not enough time in the day to, to see it all and to do it all, but um, being able to, to just support those and and there's something so magical about them that I, I don't think I'll ever run out of <laughs> of places to to go explore. Now, are you into the Cubs, the Sox, the Blackhawks, any of that stuff? I've been to one Sox game. Being raised in Houston, I am an Astros fan. I'm yep. a huge Astros fan. So, you know, but I do enjoy, I've been to a Sox game, which was fine. I've been to a few Cubs games and, you know, the games are just so fun. Wrigley is so iconic. It's a great time. Of course, I'll root for the Cubs when I'm there. Um, but most of the time I'm, I'm supporting my Astros from afar. <laughs> yeah. You hang on to your original team. That's for sure. Definitely. What about, do you take the L? Do you go, do you, when you go around the city, is that your primary? I, I, I loved it. When I, when I was up yes. there in my twenties, it's been a little, little while now, but. 
Yeah, my partner and I do not have a car. We are public transit people. We take that we live about a eight minute walk from the red line, which is the busiest line in all of mm-hmm. Chicago, um, which takes us straight downtown. Uh, we can get there in less than 45 minutes. I take the train to rehearsals for my show. I take the red line to the purple line. We also live right by a bus that can take us downtown. Um, we really rely on on transit. And I, I think it's amazing to have such a an amazing public transit system. A lot of my friends who live in you know, LA or still live in Texas or Oklahoma, when they come visit, that is one of the things they always say is the public transit is, you really don't need to have a car here. It's really amazing. So I'm super grateful for it. There are times where <laughs> for just the sheer convenience of it, I'm like, ah, it'd be nice to just be able to hop in my car and go. But I, I feel really grateful that we get everywhere we need to go with public transit. Yeah, I remember staying, I was 16 years old up there a long time ago when I was staying at a youth hostel around State Street in Roosevelt, maybe, and went to a concert at Rosemont Horizon and took the red line, I guess, the blue line. And I don't know how long it is to get up there, but it was pretty straightforward. No, but I think that hostel is still there. (laughs) I think I know the exact one you're talking about. It's in Roosevelt. Plymouth Court. Um, Yeah, I'm 99% sure there's still a hostel there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really great to be able to just hop on a bus and take the bus to the train or take the train to the bus. Or once you kind of, when I first moved here, I was a little intimidated. How am I ever going to learn this? But now it's second nature and gets me everywhere I need to go. Okay. Well, we could keep going. I, I probably say this every episode, but I just so enjoy the guests that I have on and you particularly, Danny, I just, wow. I mean, you're, your resume speaks for itself, your credentials. I, I, want, I want to ask about every production, every writing credit that you've had. But maybe we'll, we'll do a follow-up episode if you'd like to come back on later in 2024. would be perfect. I love yes. all this Chicago talk, too. I got to get back up there. It's, it's awesome. Every time one of my friends thinks about visiting, I'm, yes, get up here. You're going to love it. Everyone <laughs> always does. It's, there's just something about Chicago. It's amazing. Now, in the dead of winter, because I know there's there's always those Chicago blizzards and stuff, how do you deal with those times and those nights where you want to go out and do something, but man, it is freezing, and what do you, do you hibernate a little I, bit? Does everyone have to? <laughs> well, it just, the winters are hard. They're hard. I mean, for me, I was born and raised in the South where, and Houston, it was like in the 60s on Christmas usually, so... Yeah. I was not used to this level of cold. So I learned very quickly the value of layering gloves and long and socks and boots and a real coat. I didn't know that I never owned a real coat until I moved here and was like, oh, my jacket, not a coat. (laughs) I need a real winter coat. Um, It just gets dark so early. And I think that's the hardest part in the winter is it get you know it's dark by 5 p.m so you're leaving work or going to rehearsal and it's already dark and it's cold so it's it can be taxing mentally so I think you have to find ways to combat it for me it's when I can find the balance where I'm eating right and I'm doing some sort of physical activity or working out and kind of finding a good routine that really helps because it can definitely be easy to just sort of want to stay under a blanket Mm -hmm. and not (laughs) bother with it, which 
that's okay too, to do that sometimes. And I definitely still do that. Um, but I mean, the summers here are so beautiful. As soon as we get our first like 65 and sunny day, I somehow magically forget how brutal the winter was until it comes around again. So pros and cons. <laughs> and then everyone probably just comes out in droves. I can, I kind of remember you start to see all the cyclists come out, all the joggers and everyone's out in the lakefront and Lakeshore Drive. Yeah. I live right on Lake Michigan. So mm -hmm. I love being able to see it from my window in the winter. It is hard because it's windy, but the winter is also beautiful in its own way. Everybody puts up lights. All the buildings put up some kind of lights. People put lights on the trees and the snow kind of mutes the sound of the city and makes it a little quieter. So there's something really magical and beautiful about the winter. There are days though where, yeah, it's so cold that it just hurts. <laughs> Okay, well, I got maybe two or three just random questions. I always pop in here. Um, do you have a musical artist or a band that you really like right now or someone that's on your plays, playlist that you'd like to give some attention to? I, one of my favorite bands of all time that my partner and I got to see here in Chicago last year, um, this band called The Decemberists, oh, that man. sometimes I say that people are like, yeah, The Decemberists, and sometimes people are like, I've never heard of them in my life. There are, I tell everyone if they're like, oh, I'm kind of looking for something new to listen to. Have you tried the Decemberists? They, to me, are a masterclass in, in storytelling through song. Every song of theirs is like an emotionally investing story. And I never get tired of them. <laughs> I've heard, I, I know about them. But now that you mention it, I've got to listen to them. Because that's. I love asking this question because I, I always get groups or artists that I haven't heard of or haven't listened to. So I'm going to check them mm -hmm. out for sure. You should. Let me know if you like them. <laughs> okay. If you have a, a vacation destination between these two spots, where are you going? Would it be the Grand Canyon or let's just say the Atlantic Coast? Are you a beach do person? Do you like – I'm on the Gulf Coast. I was going to throw that out there, but I was trying to be a little different with the question. But do you like oh, no. the I beach? Mean, I Yes, I do. I There's something about the ocean. I really do just love being by the ocean. Something about being close enough that you can hear it or sort of smell and taste the salt. Oh, I, that will always really comfort me. Um, my mom was born and raised in Philly. So I had some family in New Jersey growing up. So I got to visit the Jersey Shore. My partner's from Rhode Island. So I've been really lucky to visit Rhode Island. Um, I do love the coast. I think I'd have to say the coast i went to the grand canyon once when i was a kid and it was awesome but there's something about being close to the ocean that i find just invigorating do you have all right if you're going to meet somebody for breakfast what are you a breakfast food fan i'm a huge breakfast food fan i think this is why this question has come up at least one other time in the past do you have something that you're like all right it's definitely going to be the french toast definitely going to be this because I have, I go eat with people either. Sometimes my wife doesn't even look at the menu. She's like, I'm getting the French toast. I am a huge eggs Benedict fan. And something that is, I'm kind of proud of is that I have tried so many varieties of eggs Benedict. I've tried barbecue eggs Benedict. I've tried seafood eggs Benedict with crab, but also with lobster. I've tried traditional eggs Benedict. I've tried French toast eggs Benedict. I've tried... Wow. If they have like a unique eggs Benedict on the menu, I'm going to get it. 
Um, and I love it. And I, I don't think I'll ever be able to resist. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong there. Okay. I got some more, but let's, uh, I'm sure you've got other commitments too. You've given me a lot of your time here. This has been such a blast talking to you today, Danny. And everyone out there, if you're in Skokie, is that right? Yeah, for Skokie's the, uh, where the show's at. Okay, for Shrek the Musical, Danny is portraying Fiona. You won't want to miss it. Make sure you go to her website because you can see some videos on dannypike.com of past performances and just read all about her. Danny, this has been wonderful. Please let's make a a commitment for another episode to talk about what you're doing later in 2024. Absolutely. This was just an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for, for finding me and reaching out. This is such an awesome, unique opportunity. And I've just really enjoyed talking to you and absolutely I do it again in a heartbeat. Well, you'll always have the, the distinction as the first Danny on the show. Honored. Um, okay, folks. Well, that's it for this episode of Dan time. And remember, I always say that, remember, I don't always know where I'm going with it, but if you've got a chance to influence children, whether they're 10, high school age, sometimes you don't get that direct opportunity, but if you can get involved, if you're in the theater realm, you got a chance to make an impact on people, and special needs too, I just so appreciate that about you, Danny, because I have um, a couple special needs cousins. And there is talent there, and sometimes these are the the happiest people you will meet, the warmest people you will meet, and I, I just love that you're involved with them as well. But, yeah, let me wrap up my remember part here. Remember to just take advantage of these opportunities as they come your way and go up to Chicago and see Danny perform sometime in 2024. I'm sure there's, there's going to be other productions coming up. We didn't, we didn't quite get to American Schemers, but I will put in a plug uh, on the socials for that. All right. Super you, fun movie. <laughs> well, you guys have a great rest of the week, and don't forget to make a difference in somebody's life, big or small, during your week. Thank you, Danny. We'll see you next Sunday on the Dan Time Podcast. Thank you. All right, if you love that episode, if you're enjoying the Dan Time Podcast, be sure to download and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can reach me at dantimepod at gmail.com. If you really want to connect with Dan Time through the week, visit any of the social media pages. I'm on X, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can't miss me, I don't think. Um, and if nothing else, as I've said before, just talk about the show. If you're having a good time with it, Tell your friends about it. Send a text about it. I appreciate you as a listener. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.